Hello, this is Minute 16 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Corey McLean, your host. Uh, with me today is John. Hello. And Kip. Hello. Today's minute starts with Mel in the middle of his speech to share about how she needs to be a better driver and learn how to be a good driver, and ends with Cher grabbing Josh by the hand and dragging him off to... I uh, give her a driving lesson. Let me ask you a question. How many times did you guys fail your driving test? None. None. Yeah, really? I passed on the first shot. I passed on the first I shot. I failed it three times. Yeah, I'm not. I've, although I will admit to having been made to take one of those driver re-education classes because in Massachusetts, if you like, forget to do your registration and get enough tickets for that, then you have to take one of those, uh. which is a little bit brutal. Um, but yeah, I got it on the first time. No, I failed three times. Once I was because also I got, 18. Uh, I was only 16, but I got tricked by a sign that said, no turn on red. And my driving instructor looked more and more annoyed with me as we sat there. Uh, <laughs> he was trying was to like, convince oh, you. <laughs> I'm going to go. And he's like, and you fail. That's so annoying. I yeah, sympathize with Cher a little bit. Yeah, although <laughs> I'm really kind of confused by the degree to which, like, Mel is giving this speech about, I don't want you doing anything in the car. Like, don't even sit in it. Like, why was this not the rule before she got the tickets? Why did you buy an unlicensed driver a car and give her the keys? <laughs> like, <laughs> this shouldn't be the rule. She should know that she shouldn't be driving alone so, as an unlicensed driver. So you're driver. saying... You're saying this is a case of affluenza. Probably. This is the original affluenza case. A little bit more. I'm saying that he's just not paying much attention to so your impressing the is... seriousness of the he's a, bu- he's a busy lawyer. He doesn't have time to pay attention to his daughter. Let alone teach her to drive. Your share is completely innocent of all charges. What, oh, what I don't she think Cher is innocent of, uh, of all charges. She had to pass her permit test. That's on there. <laughs> like, like... But... She... How could she have known she was doing wrong? That's what, that's my argument here, Your Honor. Because you, because when you get your permit, they tell you do not drive without a licensed driver. <laughs> but Your Honor, she was bought a car. How could she have known? She's never grown up in a world no. full of rules. No, she's so like she's so not as dumb as you're making her out to be. <laughs> your Honor, I'm not saying anyone's dumb here, Your Honor. Uh, that was completely out of your mouth. <laughs> My client fully knew what she she had a car. How is she? No, she doesn't live by this world's rules. Everywhere you go has valet, Your Honor. <laughs> That's not in this minute. So if we'll get the, to that in a minute. If the permit doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> this is a miss. This is a, this is a travesty. This is a mistrial. I'm so confused by this whole interaction right now. At some point, I started being called Your Honor, and I don't really know how that happened. Um, oh, we get this sort of like really interesting weirdly both childish and maternal like wifely interaction she's having with him where she fixes his tie and buttons his shirt like as she's saying yes daddy (laughs) yeah you can clearly see how she ended up with that jeep to begin with oh yeah totally (laughs) yeah and then she says she's going to practice real hard like and then like sort of prances off like little mary's like i don't get it man like it's this really weird interaction as far as it's hyper-sexualized and hyper-feminized and also hyper-childish. Like, it's very strange in the way that, that Cher often can be. And that, as I say, that describes Cher perfectly. And I, like, it's also very clearly deliberate on the part of the movie. Like, it's not being represented as a normative thing or a thing that should be normal. No. Um, like, the movie is as creeped out by itself as we are. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
So let's see, what else do we have in this minute? Oh, she goes out and talks to ja- to Josh, who is reading Nietzsche by the pool. <laughs> I just feel like Which is such a- wearing all black and sunglasses. I feel like yes. a prop guy was like, uh, "What's the what's the most cliche book I could find here?" Oh, no. At least it wasn't Ayn Rand. He's Josh is too much of a bleeding heart for Ayn Rand. Yes, that's true. He is a tree person. Exactly. So. Apparently, so I was like oh. looking this up. I grew up on the East Coast, and so I have no idea what this is. But apparently, it's like a thing in the LA area. Um, what Nietzsche? No, the tree people. He's big in LA. He's oh, the tree huge people. in LA. Yeah, I'd never heard like tree people to me is one of the stupidest names for an organization I'd ever heard, and so I almost thought it might have been made up for the movie. Particularly since we are basically surrounded by trees <laughs> here here on the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you don't have to worry about where am I going to find a tree in, even in like Boston and Cambridge. Like, I live in no. in the Boston area, and so like I I don't worry about where am I going to find a tree in my very urban neighborhood. I just got to look in my backyard. Oh, we also get the lovely her colleague his goatee chin pubes, <laughs> which is so wonderfully on the nose because it it is just kind of scraggly. Yeah. And like, like it's it's a really nice sort of indicator for like, for all Cher could be incredibly naive. Like she's skewering him exactly as in the same way that the movie is. Like he is acting like the stereotype of a freshman in college or sophomore in college who is just so sure of being right, um, despite really limited experience in the world. I feel like the choice of him sitting by the pool reading the book. That's where he could read that book anywhere. Exactly. It's such a good contrast. It's like, like, I want to be seen reading this book. It's not, I'm not, it doesn't count for reading it if no one sees me do it. That's true. Oh, see, I kind of read that as, like, he is, he still wants to actually, like, be outside and enjoying the weather, but he feels guilty about it, and so he's going to, like, wear all black and, like, bring his serious book. Too much thought. Maybe. He's just as clueless as her, but has a, year, a couple years of college under his belt. Yeah. yeah, so he's trying to do like he's picking the signifiers of I'm less clueless than this, even though he's actually exactly. Not. No. Yeah, I kind of like that as an analysis of Josh. And then she starts working her magic on him, just like she did on Daddy. And it's actually even more effective on him. Like he's acting like it's totally not, but it it's pretty effective. Like they do this sort of like movie flirtation thing where they're just arguing, but we're supposed to read it as flirtation. It's flirtation, yep. Um, like, what are the chances of you shutting up until you get your way? Oh, slim to none. Now, is this the, this is the first time we actually see Ant Man in the movie, right? Uh, no, because we see him earlier. Like he comes for dinner. Oh, okay. Um, and they snipe at each other like siblings. Which... It's very strange. It's very strange to think about that Paul Rudd is this huge guy now, and yeah. like in compared to this. Yeah, like if you looked at if you looked at the people who are in this movie and went, "Oh, who's going to be the biggest?" Superstar? Yeah, that's a really Paul good Rudd point. was not the person I would have thought. He's charming in a really unthreatening and harmless sort of way. Like I remember him as Phoebe's boyfriend at the end of Friends because my mom was huge into Friends and so so was I. And like he's super charming in that role too. He's just like he's like he he reads as very sweet. Like you expect him to be more of an asshole than he actually is. Yeah, I mean in the last few years until until the last few years I kind of thought of him as vaguely, you know, romantic lead slash funny guy in the background and not, you know, this thing that he is now. Yeah, of all of the people to still have a career, Paul Rudd, who knew? Yep. But in the movie, it's not even as though he's like a ward to her family. Like the relationship is even is like 
less intimate than that. He's just a family friend. Um, or in, in the book, Emma. In the book. Not, uh, yeah. And whereas now he's a stepbrother. Yeah. Like, what do you guys think about that choice on the, like, I'm just so it's perplexed by it as a, like, way to go. Well, like, mean, they, it's, they worked really way. hard to uncreepify it, but there was no need to even have it be a thing that could be uncreepified. It, it feels like a tie to, like, L.A. marriages, how they come and go really quickly. Yeah. So they they pop in and out. Like, it's like this is a wife that came and went in her lifetime. And I guess it's also, like, meant to humanize her dad some, um, because he is such a harsher character in this than he is in Emma. Like, because this is not Cruel Intentions. Like, how is it that there's more than one movie where the romantic interest is the stepbrother? <laughs> I, I was going to say they could have found a way to maybe make him just be someone who works for the father, but exactly. uh, the age difference would be, I think the age difference would have been larger if that had been the case, maybe. Yeah. You know, at least this is only 18 or 19 versus 16, as opposed to what? creepy dude in his 20s. Yeah, but you could have it be like, oh, my family friend and his parents are dead, and so he's coming over, like, why does he get to act okay. like, like, there's lots of different relationships that you could, like, human relationships are complex enough that there was no real need for it, so I'm just sort of constantly trying to figure out why they chose to have them be step-siblings. Yeah. Like. It is a mystery. <laughs> it's a weird minute, kind of get half the scenes. Yeah, although it actually, like, cuts off, like, right at the end of that interaction between them at, at the side of the pool. Like, that's the end of that interaction. So, and then we go, like, our next minute starts with them in the car doing the driving lesson. What are other teen movies that you guys enjoy? Like, there's a whole bunch of, of teen movies out there at this point. But, but like, is this your only foray into the genre? Or do you have, as Darren does, a large back catalog well i'm an old man so i have the uh john hughes movies that's my thing you know this was a little you know i was uh, i was in my 20s when this came out so this wasn't quite a teen movie for me <laughs> but i have you know breakfast club and 16 candles and that kind of thing those were my teen movies uh i guess my teen movies are all very weird like crybaby and uh i don't even know what is crybaby i don't even know it's a john waters it's a john 1950s greaser film Huh. Johnny Depp. Okay. It's on Netflix. It's a uh, really great. It's a musical. Cool. Yes. Those are the films we watched, and I guess Friday technically counts as a teen film for me. <laughs> Growing up in Los Angeles in West Hollywood. Nice. <laughs> like I know this place. Yeah. These people look like me. Like I'm young enough that I wasn't even a teenager when this movie came out. Um, like I'm an utter baby as far as that sort of thing goes. Friday, and what was the other one you said was your I'm favorite? To think of. When I was a teen, what would, like Suburbia would have been out at that time. Yeah. Uh, Empire Records would have been around that time. Oh, Empire Records. <laughs> trying to think of that magic year of 1997. Ska was alive again. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a little sad that I don't think I'm on any of the minutes that have Ska in this movie. Oh, this movie the Bostones are in it. A, a yeah. Movie. This movie foresaw the coming of the Bostones. Like, like, I have a, a very big sentimental spot for the Bostones because... Uh, my dad also foresaw the coming and of them and then stayed into them way too long. <laughs> As we all did. As well, we 1995, all did. Is, 1995 is just the beginning of the third wave. This is before No Doubt, This is, or just as No Doubt was getting to be a thing, maybe. Yeah. So... This I mean, is like this is legitimately just as No Doubt was beginning to be a thing yeah. because it's got a No Doubt song in it. Um, 
that was not it's got just a girl in it i keep looking at the heels on her on her shoes and they're so like they're that weird between skinny and chunky that was only okay in the 90s and 80s it is weird not to see everyone holding cell phones yeah I know they had him in this movie, and they use that joke a few times, but it's just weird. Like, nowadays, you go out, and everyone's got a phone in their hand. Yeah. If not in their face. Like... Yeah, guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the degree to which Mel is not on his cell phone as much as he actually would be in in 2016 is interesting. He would probably have multiple. Yeah, exactly. He'd have a work cell phone and a home cell phone. Yeah, so... Do you guys have any plugs you'd like to make? Uh, nope, I'm sure. good. Sure. Uh, I'm a member of the Rhymes with Nerdy family over at Rhymes with Nerdy Dumb. We do Can We Just Be Friends, uh, Rhymes with Nerdy the Mother podcast, and uh, Present the Profile, three of our family of podcasts. So come on over. We're on iTunes and all podcasting apps. Awesome. And I host The Accidental Cinephile, which is actually... Its first episode is coming out this, this week. Um, when this when this airs, it's going to be out the same week that this airs. Um, yeah, Yay. I'm excited. <laughs> I got to edit my first podcast. Ooh, not fun. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, and I'm really excited to get to... So on that, I... So despite the fact that I'm on this movie podcast and have been on another movie podcast previously and I've made a bunch of friends through movie podcasts, I don't actually watch movies that much um and so i am the accidental cinephile and my boyfriend uh is insisting that i watch a whole bunch of things that i missed Um, (laughs) so that's the premise of our podcast and i hope you'll come and give it a listen um and yeah and definitely go and give the uh rhymes with nerdy family of podcasts a listen to well thank you guys both so much for being with me of course thank you see you tomorrow bye Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It is produced and edited by Darren Husted, executive produced and hosted by Corinne McLean, with my guests, Kip Reed and John Muggleton. Follow us on Facebook at As If The Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Shout Engine, or the podcasting app of your choice. Please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.